This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. You never know where opportunity will present itself and you have to just be ready to promote yourself in that situation and be somebody's solution because you never know where people need you to fill in. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real-life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. My guest this week on the Portrait System podcast is Justin Haugen, and he's a former wedding photographer who now focuses on the commercial side of photography. Justin is based in Tucson, Arizona, and he was laid off from his job 10 years ago, and that's when he decided to start his photography business. For many years, Justin only shot weddings, but he decided he was done with that and ready to get out of the wedding genre altogether. Justin was able to make the transition to the commercial side of photography, and he talks all about how he did it. Justin was really amazing to talk to, and he shared some great info about what it's like doing commercial work, both from the photographer aspect and from the perspective of managing the people who assist him. All right, it's time to get started with Justin Haugen. Hi, Justin. Welcome to The Portrait System. How are you? What's up, Nikki? I'm uh, a little under the weather, but doing okay and juggling some childcare here at home, but I'm ready to chat. Uh, the joys of uh, entrepreneurship, where it's like you don't necessarily need full time care, but then there are times you do, and you gotta like figure it out. 
Oh, you know, it's funny. When I was younger, I always thought someday, like I, I, I was going to be a graphic designer initially. I was going to be a freelance graphic designer. That was my whole game plan from the beginning of all this. And I thought someday when I'm a dad, I can work from home and watch the kids. And, oh and I realized what a folly that was because now as a, as a dad, and we're both working from home, my partner and I, and, uh, you know, we're both here in the house and she's working in the other office next to me. And, the whole childcare thing with a kid trying to work with a kid in the house, impossible. So impossible. we went from like, yeah, we went from like, we could just have a nanny like part time, like we could do like two or three days a week. And the other days I'll hang out with our kid and it'll be great. And then it very quickly transitioned to, oh, we need like eight to nine hours Monday through Friday. No <laughs> questions. Like we have to do it. So that's where we've landed now. I, I realized like, uh. and, and you're doing the math too. You're like, can I afford this much in cost in childcare costs? Can I afford to? And then I got to this quickly. It was like, I can't afford not to do this because I can't get anything done. So the cost of, of it completely is offset by the need to like have un, like access to work. Totally. I remember because I, I thought the same thing when we had our first son van, like, oh, I can just work while he's here. And I was just not the best mom or the best business owner or the best wife because I was like, mentally trying to tackle too many things. And like if Van woke up from a nap early or whatever, I would just be frustrated even though it wasn't his fault and just not fully present. And for my kid, my husband, my career. So yeah, it I we quickly turned into, yeah, childcare. Although Dan started working part-time. So he started watching the kids part-time while, you know, the other half of it was childcare. But yeah, and we're planning on increasing the size of our family in the next year, so it's not going to get any easier. And then, and yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's going to look a year from now, two years from now. It's, it's already kind of bonkers, but we're making It'll it work. work it out. And, and yeah. our kid, like, she loves, like, she knows where we work, so, so, I, like, we'll be in our offices with the door closed, and then you just yeah. hear a toddler <sighs> outside the door, like, eh. Eh, and it's brutal because you're like, oh, baby, I leave. Like on Tuesdays, my mother-in-law comes over and watches Dre. Van's in first grade. Dre will start kindergarten next year. But so on Tuesdays when she's here with Dre, I have to leave. I go to our cottage and work because I'm like, I just feel bad when he wants to show me something or he's excited about something. And I'm like, nope, sorry, I'm working. You know, it's like, oh, it's hard. It's the worst. I knew this coming into it, though. I knew like years ago, I'm like, okay, the work life, I, I've. I've been in a relationship where I had a partner living with me and she had a son and, and I just dealt with all of the like time, work life, my, my career, I was just getting started in photography full time uh, about 10 years ago. And I quickly came up against the work life, home life balance and mm-hmm. I managed it poorly in that time. Like I was constantly not available. I worked until like midnight every night. Like I, I didn't have good boundaries. And now, uh, now that I have my own family at this point in my life, I've, I knew that going in, so I've, I've really been cautious to set stronger boundaries with work mm-hmm. because I could easily, like, you know, they tell you, like, when you own a business that you work 80 hours a week, that's easy. Like, it's conservative. Like, I, I could spend more time. There's always something that needs my attention. So, yeah, totally. I definitely, I knew that going in. And so having my family now, I'm much more conscious of how do I spend my time with intention. Uh, we just went on vacation to New York City, took baby girl across the country for her first first cross-country trip and it went pretty well but it was also an addition because i i booked us a trip to korea in october um getting married and then we're spending three weeks in korea with my soon-to-be wife and our our daughter and my dad's coming and and that's like that's me making intentional time 
for us as a family because I there's nothing better than not having to worry about work even for like a few days and then I can just spend time like I bring a different camera like I love the Fuji system so I'll bring my Fuji X-T2 with me on trips and it doesn't feel like work it's a completely different tool and I can just take photos of my kid and my yeah. and my fiance and, and like enjoy photography as a hobby instead of as a job because it's rare that I'm picking up a camera if it's not for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, and one of the reasons I wanted to interview you, so people might have heard you on just briefly when we were at WPPI and we did that interview and that came out as a WPPI episode on the portrait system. And so if, you know, if Justin sounds familiar, if you don't know him from other things, of course, you are an instructor and all, you know, you speak at different conferences and things. But one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is because you made a transition from wedding out of wedding photography. So on your Instagram, it says reformed wedding photographer now working exclusively business to business commercial projects. And I know there are a lot of people in our community who really just are kind of ready, ready to let weddings go or maybe add something else to weddings that aren't weddings. And so I just, I thought it would be super helpful for people to hear how you made this transition because you did like full-time weddings, right? Yeah, it drove probably, I would think at the beginning, it was probably 90% of my business. And then mm-hmm. the ratio kind of, it got lower and lower as as it progressed. It's been 10, 10 years. Memorial Day weekend will be the 10-year anniversary of when I got laid off from my full-time job. And that that employer that laid me off is now my second biggest account. So there's, so oh, no there's a full, yeah, it's a full circle now where it's come back to. And, and so little by little, I transitioned into this and I had an eye on it maybe about four years ago. And then the pandemic accelerated it rapidly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I saw all the work dry up and all the weddings got pushed back. And I don't think I've, I've had my rate of consultations that I book. It's, it dropped off significantly. Also, it, I've also uh, have backed off of any type of marketing. I pulled off of the knot. I I stopped like sharing wedding photography as much. Like I really wasn't wedding, wedding, wedding anymore. I I just wasn't putting that vibe out there as much. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a natural progression where this was going to hand out, happen, and I was going to hand it off to commercial realm full time. But then I had to jump off that ledge and stop turning, uh, start turning down weddings. So I actually just shot my last wedding three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I'm done. So I've got, I'm, I'm finishing up the last of three wedding edits and deliverables for those clients. And then it's, it's, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm referring out all inquiries to other photographers in town, which feels nice. I, it feels nice that I can still generate economy for other totally. photographers. I love that. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, also some people brought it up, you know, I could be running a great associate program if I was really, really ambitious. I but know. I, I know. <laughs> People have said that to me too, and I'm like, oh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I know I'm leaving money on the table there, but it's like, is that really what you want to do? Is start managing people doing the things that you didn't want to? You know, I don't know. Oddly enough, yes, actually, I do, but not in the wedding realm. So weddings, weddings, ah. I'm just, I'm a little burnt out on, and it's not even the photography. Like when I'm actually creating and having a good time, and I'm, and the schedules, is schedules going smoothly? I'm having a good time with weddings. I enjoy the people that I work with. I'm, I'm not. I'm not luxury end in terms of pricing. I'm I'm probably more upper middle tier. I don't know what that says about the people I work with, but I think they tend to be a little more adventure seekers. Uh, they're fun people. We tend to be within a ten year age range of each other, so we we have similar values. The photography means similar things to us. So, and we're not like 
we didn't grow up on TikTok uh, face filters. So uh-huh. I think there's a little more authenticity in what we're doing together. So I really enjoy the people I work with. So I, I don't think that the people themselves have burnt me out, but you know, I think I've done close to 300 weddings now. What was it that made you decide, like, I know you said you were originally, th- you know, it's, you started thinking about it and then COVID happened or whatever, but what, what was it that made you decide, like, I can't do this anymore? I, I saw an opportunity in the business, in the business to business space. And I've always been advertorial, editorial, commercially minded. I came up in graphic design because I wanted to design ads. I thought that's, I wanted to design like magazine ads, double trucks, like whatever I could do to manipulate text and images on a, on a page. Like that's where I wanted to be. I, it's how I wanted to create, create art and manipulate assets on the screen. And then photography fell right into it. Like I was, I needed photos to manipulate. And then that became the obsession was photography because I was trying to supplement the design work and eventually photography took over. So I still have a multimedia background and I fancy myself like a capable designer. So I still do Mm -hmm. a little, it it comes up in my work now, especially for my biggest client. Like we, I basically became kind of a part-time graphic designer for some of the stuff on one of the projects we were working on. So there's still there's still room for those skill sets in what I'm doing, but I enjoy that space. And it's what I always saw myself doing was being in marketing somehow. And now in the work I'm doing with with my clients, I am working on marketing projects. I'm doing things that are recruitment campaigns for HR, things that are showing off the capabilities of the company. Like one of my clients is a, is a missile manufacturer. So we're making like hero shots of, of their product line to sell to their customers, which is a huge leap from coming from weddings, but it's a, it's mm-hmm. a different space to be in. But that's where I saw opportunity and it kind of came knocking at my door. The, like my main, my second biggest client, they started to uh, shift away from in-house creative and they went contractor only. And so in 2019, they let go of their last photographer. I knew every photographer that worked at the company. And I thought someday maybe there'd be a door open for me as a full-timer. And little by little, they dropped more and more employees. So it went from like a team of like four down to one, down to zero. So in 2019, I had a PO with the company and they, I picked up all of the photography, like pretty much no, no compete bids on the work. I just had to send a quote and I was getting all the work. So how did you, that, how did, I know you said you used to work from, for them, right? Mm-hmm. So how did you manage to, because I mean, for a company to have a ton of photographers, it just should have none and then be like, oh, hey, Justin, do you want to do this? Like, how did, how did all that work? And, and, I, and I'm saying that because for, for listeners who might know of a company that they have in mind or, you know, I, I, like, how did you present yourself? You know, this pops up so much all the time. I'm like, how did you get here? And and I always have a, I always struggle with answering that because it was, it's a lot of serendipitous, like, stuff. It's not, none, none of it was like, this was my plan that I knew that in seven years that they were probably, there was no method <laughs> to the madness. It was literally, mm-hmm. I didn't burn a bridge when they laid me off. I was pretty upset. Oh, I just turned, I was so just funny. turning 30. Yeah. I was turning 30. Uh, what feels like a very formative time in your life. You're like, I'm going to be a man now. <laughs> like I'm 30, which <laughs> it was this new avenue for me to step through where I thought I was like step coming into my own. And I thought I was going to be a life lifer at this company and, you know, retire with a, with a, solid 401k but at the time I, I look back at it I wasn't making shit for income from them I, they actually freed me up because I if I'd stayed at that company I, I think I'd be struggling right now with my pay so they really let me loose and the, the thing I did was I didn't 
I mean, I was bitter about it and I had a lot of hard feelings because I thought I shouldn't have been let go, but it was just a weird, I realized at that time, like what we do, what we are as employees to a large corporate entity. And when it comes down to it, if there's a, if there's hardship or adversity, a company will, will abuse its, its workforce as assets and they would rather risk their workforce before they risk the value of their shareholders. So that's where people get caught. And you're seeing it right now in the tech industry where there's just been like 22,000 layoffs at Meta, uh, Facebook, Google had layoffs. Like you see that happening. So in order to keep operating costs, uh, to keep their margins higher, they have to let go of, of workforce. So the companies don't invest in people anymore. And so I saw that writing on the wall. I saw I saw what that meant to me, how it affected me. And I didn't burn that bridge though. I, I was pretty scorned by the whole experience and feeling like a cog in the corporate in the corporate uh, machine. But I didn't burn that bridge. So I kept in touch with everybody that I'd ever worked with there. I was involved in creative a little bit there. I did some photo video, uh, some production gig work. It, coincidentally, my boss, uh, well, he was he was a boss of the photo video department. I worked in print services, but they allocated me four jobs. So I would cover for the other photographers when they weren't. I, I made sure, like, right right off the bat, when I started my job there, I let them know, like, I'm a photographer. And I, and I always plug myself, no matter what. And so... Little by little, by year, I was there for four years. By year two, I think they had given me a camera bag. I had two cameras, two Nikon cameras. I had gear. I mean, all brand new gear allocated to me to cover for one of the four photographers on staff. So I was already like, I had an in because Mm -hmm. I kept pushing and plugging and plugging. So you always have to self promote yourself a little bit. And by the time I was gone, I, I'd still kept relationships with every all the photographers that were there, uh, my former boss. So I, I kept you know appearances with people, and we didn't. I didn't just fall off. And so when opportunity would pop up, little by little, they were losing photographers, and so I was an obvious choice. And I knew the ins and outs of the company, like I knew where things are and how things function. So even today. Now it's uh, there's a third party company who is contracting. I'm subcontracted through another company. Before I used to deal directly and build through my PO, but now I'm subcontracted. So I I know the ins and outs of the business better than the the contractor above me who is getting all my billing. So just I, I think if there's any advice to take away from that, it's that you never know where opportunity will present itself, and you have to just be ready to promote yourself in that situation and be somebody's solution because you never know where people need you to fill in. So it, a lot of my, my biggest, two biggest accounts are strictly from personal relationships and not having burned bridges and keeping, keeping self-promoting myself. So if it hadn't been uh, for that, I, I, no amount of marketing got me there. It was strictly personal relationships. You just have to be out in the world and be open to whatever opportunities present themselves. You had mentioned that your Biggest account was, you know, the company that had previously... Was that the missile company? Yes. Okay. So are they your only account now? Or are you... Like, how are you getting other commercial accounts? Okay, so I feel like this would be a good... Like, if, if we should, like, check back in, like, a year or two, if there's potential for that. But have me back on so we can... We can ch- I can check in and see if I hold myself Absolutely. accountable. But um, so at the end of 2022, like, the, my goals into 2023 was land another missile company, which not, like, a competitor, but just, like, another com- com- uh, company of that scale. Like, I wanted a large, a large account to go with to supplement uh, my income from them because I also realized... In their corp, there's a lot of corporate restructure going on. Uh, they're con- consolidating from four to three businesses right now. Like that's a thing going on with them. 
And uh, I don't know if they've done layoffs, but you just never know the mm-hmm. the stru- what the outlook of a company long term. Like that's a pretty solid company. They've been around for year for decades, and I know that they're generally gonna. They're, you know, they're performing well. Their stock is performing great uh, against market downturn. Like all that stuff's been going great for them. You just never know, though. What do they do to prepare for? You know the future. Like if they know that oh, we're going to yeah. have a bad quarter three, like maybe we need to let go of some people. Uh, where do we save money? Is it marketing? Is it what we spend with contractors and vendors? Mm-hmm. Like they they'll find a way to like do run the numbers. And I'll never know if I'm going to be a casualty in that. So mm-hmm. I have to you know make sure that I prepare myself. You know, can I work? What, how do you work against an economic backdrop that looks like in decline? We keep hearing recession being thrown around. I think I said that last time I talked to you. So. My goal was a client of that billing to work to work with. So, and this wasn't by any design. It was literally I had a friend who was out of the country teaching workshops in Iceland with a huge. He's got a huge social media presence, and they found him as an Arizona photographer, and they reached out to him. and He's more of a landscape night time lapse kind of guy, so I don't know that his entire skill set would have translated to their needs because uh, it introduced hit them to me because he told them he was out of the country and we had some early discovery phone calls there a mining operation based out of Vancouver the company's headquarters is there and they are sitting on like the largest copper deposit in the country in wow. Casa Grande which is like an hour like it, it's like an hour drive door to door from my house to their to their facilities so all that started in the last year they're not even drilling yet everything right now is purely discovery they just got listed on the New York Stock Exchange uh, last year in June so it's been almost a year and so there's a lot of upward mobility transition for them and rapid development and growth. Uh, this is not their only mine site. There's a mine site in, in Utah called Tintic and another mine site in Montana. They have partnerships in Saudi Arabia and Colombia. So I'm not sure where my passport's going to get punched in the future. But right now, I'm working very closely with the marketing director. And this all started as discovery. Like She called me mm-hmm. and I was like, I heard it. It was voiced to me as product photography. And I hate product photography. I've been shooting for 20 <laughs> years. There's two things I don't photograph, other people's babies and product photography. So I wasn't really interested in it. Uh, that's not my photography experience. I like to photograph people. But uh, that initial discovery led to like, well, I'll come check it out. I charged them a consultation fee. I met one of their geologists. I got, I, and, and it wasn't impressive what I was looking at yet because I didn't know what I was looking at. But then little by little, it was like, within a week, it was like, can you come back and do all the photo stuff that our geologist was doing that he showed you? He's going to be gone for three weeks. I'm like, uh, I guess so. I kind of got pushed into it. I still hadn't known, didn't even know if I was like the guy. I was like, yeah, I'll see if I have some referrals for you. And then little by little, it was, can you fit our uh, workstation? Can you build a workstation for shooting shooting your marketing type photos of these core samples, which is what they put in their news releases. So little by little, it kept building up, building up. And next thing I know, the conversation started steering towards, maybe we should look at a retainer. You know, are you available? And I was working at MagMod part-time at this point. And I was looking to transition to maybe a full-time role with them this year. And so I, I was up against that. And I was very clear with her, like, hey, like, we have a childcare situation that we're trying to figure out because we're still figuring out our nanny situation. And I, like, and I have a part-time job. So I'm just letting you know my availability is really limited right now. So anything that I'm going to do is up against that. If, if we're going to work more together, I need to be clear about what the potential workload is going to look like. Is there enough work for me to walk, step away from that? And uh, it rapidly escalated and it was like, oh yeah, we need you like at least once weekly. 
and then build a rate sheet. So I build a rate sheet for them, and I and I gave them my commercial pricing, like the same pricing I do with with my work with the other client, and that was all all okayed. And so I started doing the math, and I thought I realized if I'm doing this once a week for them, plus additional projects where we we've done some full day marketing shoots with the people there and the drill sites, it just kept growing and growing. And you know, I had the most productive first quarter of my entire career uh, because the other client was also equally busy. So I've been like working two 100% need clients at the same time and kind of juggling the work back and forth. And so that's where I'm at now. Like it was, it was a really incredible first year, first quarter I've ever had. And, and I think this year is going to keep going. How, okay. Will you give just a little bit of specifics as far as exactly what are you doing? Like what types Mm -hmm. of shoots and, and how much you're charging? Like, is it per image, per project? Is it a day rate? Just kind of give us that info. Sure. Um, so in the commercial world, you definitely want to break down your your labor costs and any other costs you may accrue. You could be like, especially on like if it's a per assignment basis, like if I was doing a shoot where I had crew on and I have to account for everyone's travel plus their fees, plus um, food, uh, maybe lodging, uh, whatever, whatever those kind of fees are, uh, gear rental. And it's also customary to like, even if you own the gear to that you probably are also charging a rental fee because you're bringing the gear to the shoot. So there's that aspect element of it. Uh, there is hourly wages for hourly or half day or full day. Like you can bill it anyway for your actual labor on site. And then uh, I do an editing labor, which is edit and retouch. And then I have a licensing cost. And licensing is a tricky one because some people can charge very too little or too much. Uh, you can charge Ooh, the licensing. for limited yeah. usage. Yeah, that's one that people have a lot of hard, difficulty navigating. Like, how much was an, is an image worth to you? Well, when do you when do you license? I guess people ask me that sometimes. Like, what if I shoot a personal branding client and they are writing a book, and and I just haven't gone there with licensing because I'm like, well, then they can use one of their images for their book, you know. Um, but it's it's an it's a something that maybe I'm leaving money on the table for that, you know. I don't know. So when do you use it? I mean, it's it's an easier conversation to have with a big company than it is to have with a small business or an individual who might be writing a book. Like totally, that's kind of how yeah. I feel about it. I'm like, I don't, yeah. don't want to like, I don't. What if their book goes nowhere and I'm like twenty thousand dollars? You know, I don't know. Sure. It's like, I don't know. Yep, You're, it's a lot of factors. It's like what I'm bringing to the table. Um, you know, the exclusivity of my images versus uh, their need for those images and their right to ownership. Like, I don't own the photos; they're their photos. I'm not using them in any of my portfolios. Like, I signed an NDA to work with them. Like, there's there's a lot of things involved. So, what does it cost to a company? And I've I've worked out a rate per. We've worked out a per rate image because I'm doing a pretty high volume of photography for them on a weekly basis. They're probably buying anywhere from at the minimum, maybe like 10 photos from me once a week. Sometimes it's more. We just did a project where like 30 photos were purchased and every photo is a dollar amount. I'm not going to tell you like what the dollar amount is, but you know, you can, you can guess what, you know, that how that adds up quickly. I've had mm-hmm. a lot of shoots where my licensing cost earns me more money than the labor cost. So that's where licensing can take you. I've sold an image for $3,000 to be in the cover of a magazine. That was my sale of the image. And that was an, a perpetual license. They have that photo outright forever. It's on that magazine and they never have to relicense it. So there's also people who will, if it's a use of an image that's going on forever, you might 
you might have a yearly fee for licensing. So there's just so many ways to hack it. So that mm-hmm. that's where my costs break down. So I think if anyone's getting their first commercial job or if they're billing out a quote for a business, they should consider all of those costs and what do those each of those costs look like. I think like where like coming from weddings, I like my my day rate for a wedding is like with with no product delivered, it's like four thousand dollars. Like that's where I land typically for a full day wedding shoot. That's about mm-hmm. eight to ten hours of photography and maybe like five to ten hours of back end for you know edit and all that. So break down that amount of money by that amount of labor costs or labor hours. So I'm gonna do the quick math. Uh four thousand dollars divided by eight hours of photography and let's say eight hours of let's let's call it twenty hours roundup. That's two hundred dollars an hour of labor. That's about where I land on commercial photography, like initially, like that's a good place to start. So like if you, if you figure out what a day means to you in wedding, in the wedding world, figure out a way to make that day happen in the commercial word world. And also think about project management and consultation fees. Like I charge them an hourly fee for any time I spend doing emails or zoom meetings. Like I have to track all that stuff. So there's a lot of places where billing not say gets padded, but like there's just more, there's just costs, uh, hidden costs that you're not considering because if you're working with a couple, like if I, if a couple saw the same breakdown uh, that you saw from a commercial shoot, like maybe they'd understand why a wedding costs $4,000 or $10,000. Totally. That's such a good point. Such a good point. So that's, that's my advice. If you're trying to break into this, into this world is consider that. Wow. This is all really, really cool. The one thing that kind of keeps coming back to my mind, though, is like, okay, so if you've got this one big company, it's like, like you said, having your eggs all in one basket could be tricky. Now, if you let's let's say, Justin, that you're like, okay, I like, and I know that your skills can transfer, but if you were to approach some in a completely different industry, do you think you could package together something that would work if it wasn't the same type of company? Like, would you just yes. do the, yeah, okay. I figured, but well, and I guess I want to. So this is where I said I think we should we can, maybe we can revisit this conversation in a year or two. Mm-hmm. So now I want to see like okay, I've gotten here with just luck, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, fortune. I, I like to think there's it, it's not just luck. It's like a it's a world that I manufactured. It's it is I'm manufacturing a a world of opportunity for myself because everybody I know knows what I do. In fact, in, in my city, every photographer in my city knows what I do because I run a local photography community on Facebook. We've got about, I think we're on 5, 000, around 5,000 members. And I've booked work in the group because, you know, like, hey, I didn't think I could do this, but maybe you could do this. So I've gotten work that way. And so that's another community of people who know what I do. There's, um, you know, everyone in my family, like there's just, there's opportunity everywhere leveraging personal relationships so that the next time somebody might happen to be teaching a workshop in Iceland and they're gone and their great, their great social media reach got them connected with the client that they couldn't help. And it turned out I was a better fit than uh, that opportunity presented itself and I'm able to strike on it. I, that's not a great model though. Like you can't count on that mm-hmm. to be, you know, I, I, it's purely luck. If that hadn't happened, you know, then I'd be talking to you right now about what I'm doing with my one client. I think I could say Raytheon. I could say Raytheon. Yeah, <laughs> that's the client. I'd be talking to you about them uh, only. And I'd be talking about how I'm trying to build up the business in other ways. So I wouldn't even be having this conversation if not for luck. So so where I want to follow up next time is 
I have a client in mind right now. They're a big whale in our town. They opened up new corporate offices. Uh, they actually are not maybe a mile and a half from where I live. And I have a connection with somebody who is recently employed in marketing there who came from actually my client's company when they downsized in his department. So now he's working in marketing there. So I know that they have been using like the same photographer for the last like 20, 30 years. There was probably somebody like me 20, 30 years ago who, who had an in and I see the work. I know they've been doing this for a long time. And, and this is not to like talk shit on anybody's work, but you just know like when somebody has been doing something for a long time and you can see where the work has not really progressed. And mm-hmm. so like, I, I see okay. their work and I'm like, I, I think I could do that. Like, I think I could do it. And I think I can do it better. So that's where I, where I'm, and and that's not hubris. That's just, I know that I have a, a set of skills that I can offer this company. I've been doing this for 20 years. Like I want to work with this company. So there, that's my vision board is this company. And I have a in, and I think, I think I, I'm going to rebuild, rebrand, build my portfolio. And then I'm going to start cold calling. Like I have a few emails I can make and I just want to put myself on their radar. And that's not to say like, Hey, you should replace your current photographer with me, but it's to say like, Hey, next time your guy isn't ready or available, or maybe there's something that's not in their purview, maybe you could work with me. And so that's my angle right now. Like I have a few emails. I have, and again, leverage from personal connections because I don't know that I had that in previous to a person who I've done work with who is no longer with that client. Like, like this all just happened. It's fabricating itself from opportunity made by personal relationships. So, Let's check back in a year or two, and I'll know, you know if I landed this whale. But like, they're my they're like dead my sights right now, and like I'm determined to make them my client. And this will be my proof of concept. Like, does, does this work? Wow, yeah, this is really cool, and and it, and just very well thought out. And yeah, I mean, is this like where you are now? No weekends, no evenings. You how I guess how does life look different for you logistically? Now that you, I mean, obviously you shoot different things, whatever, but now that you're not doing these, you know, 50 weddings a year or whatever. Yeah, I think there's better boundaries now. And even with my wedding work, if if a client, if a couple reached out to me on the weekend or after a certain time, they weren't going to hear back from me till Monday morning at like 8 a.m. That's just how I, you know, and that might maybe meant that meant I, I lost a consultation over the weekend. Probably, you know, I would have booked those weddings several years ago because I was more eager. And yeah, you, if you email me at 10.39 on a Saturday, you're going to email by 11.10. You know, like that mm-hmm. was just going to happen, uh, which probably could be managed better with automation now anyway. But my life just feels a little more balanced in terms of like, I'm not going to be working weekends. That's I'm already feeling that. Like I shot three weddings in a month. I felt that. Like I already felt like I missed stuff at home and that time is being given back to me. Like we're making plans now on the weekend. Like we're going to do stuff with friends. Like that stuff is already coming back into the fold. I still have hard times with boundaries on, uh, especially with my biggest client, because they've got an interesting corporate structure where the owner of the company, he is tireless and he wants something at three in the morning and he thinks about it and then his people hear from him. So I'm not under their corporate structure. So I, I'll probably hear about it the next morning, but that's tough because the work comes in, it's high priority, it's hot. And I'm, I'm obligated to, I feel obligated to deliver because I, I, I push back where it's possible but now I'm building contingency. I've got people who I've got uh, an associate who I'll, I will send to do the work for me. And if he's not available, we were building contingency with their people on staff. So I, I'm finding better ways to cover for me. And I'm fi- figuring out that I can still make money when I'm not available. So I'm trying to figure out how to manage that better. And so that's that's where like I'm I'm 
bringing on some photographers. I'm working with some people who I trust to do the work. And then I can still make money just writing emails. So that's looking better in terms of like my time at home. Uh, but yeah, there's still like last night I was, I was editing a wedding. So go figure. You're <laughs> almost done like, though. You're so close. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I'm almost done. Like, and I, that process is automated too. I use, I use AI editing with uh, after shoot mm-hmm. and there that that's phenomenal. But there's just a lot of like, little stuff that AI doesn't take care of yet, like uh, zapping some stray flyaway hairs, so just stuff like that. That's what I was working on last night. So yeah, there's there's better balance now, and I feel like I can look ahead better and make more time. And then for I feel like the financial security is increasing as the work goes along, so we're making bigger plans for our family. So I just overall, I feel like a much healthier relationship with my work. Also coming at a point where there was like some burnout, and now I'm like feeling a revitalization of of what I'm doing simply because it's new, and I'm getting into the process and the management of it all. And there, I'm learning. I feel like I'm learning new skills around photography. Like I don't have to be the trigger man to make to make an income. Like I I want to run a business more than I want to be a photographer. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, this has been awesome, and I do want to have you back because I feel like you are just beginning this. I mean, you know, I feel like you have a whole career of this ahead of you that's going to be even you know bigger than what you're doing now so we'll definitely have to have you back thanks yeah I, i'm obsessed with this idea of um of i don't know how to call it but like i okay i love like a good uh late bloomer success story like i love like pedro pascal is like internet the internet america's daddy right now do you follow much tv or hbo um, I, I, uh, we're watching Game of Thrones now for the first time on HBO, but oh, okay, I okay, I won't ruin that for you. But yeah, he's in there. Um, and then he was on the, he's the Mandalorian right now. He's on The Last of Us on HBO, two like massively huge shows in like the public lexicon. But he's, I think he's like late forties now. His role on Game of Thrones, I think he was thirty seven or thirty eight when he had that. That was his breakout. So I'm obsessed with the idea of people who emerge into. Um, their success like later in life and Mm -hmm. and i feel like i've been i've plateaued probably on year two or three of my wedding industry wedding career i don't think i was doing enough to grow my business either transitioning into a luxury um, space or to book more weddings because i was i was at shooting 25 30 weddings is a lot to me but i have friends who shoot anywhere from 50 to 100 Mm -hmm. in a a year that's absurd to me i can't i can't imagine it And, and to me the idea of that equating volume with success success just blew my mind like i'm like i i'm not prepared to commit more time and energy to this it's already a lot of time and energy so so yeah i plateaued year two three maybe like i i don't think i've earned a whole lot more in my career and then and then COVID happened, and then the last two years I've experienced a, a huge growth, and so I like the idea of people who come into their own later in life. So I feel like I'm I'm like I to feel this invigorated. I've been doing this for twenty years, and to feel this invigorated at about to turn forty in a few weeks, like I feel like I'm making a push into something bigger in my career. Yeah. And I didn't think that I didn't know that was ahead of me, but I always live my life that the next big thing is always around the corner and that there is always something more to uh, strive for and attain for. It's like, I I can't imagine my best years are behind me. I want to always want to believe they're ahead of me. I am so with you. People are like, I just turned 46 and I started this business when I was like, what was I like 34 is the first time I picked up a camera. 
Anyway, mm. people are like, oh my God, I'm turning 40 and like complaining about it. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't, like I love, the older I get, the better I want it to be. You know, I, like, I can't wait to turn 50 and, and see what my life is going to be like then. Like that to me feels, it feels good. Like it feels like exactly, like the best is yet to come. I love that just mental state to be in that, in that mental state. Cause that means like, damn, if it's this good now, ah, I can't wait, you know? And we're lucky. We're really blessed to, to, if anybody out there listening is a part-time, full-time photographer, I don't know of a whole lot of careers that offer such, that dangle such a carrot in front of you, that there's still something to be learned even after years of doing this. Like, I feel like I have some mastery over certain skills and abilities, but I feel like there's just so much more that I don't know than what I do know, no matter what area is around it. And there's just not a lot of things I feel like that are out there that offer you that opportunity to continue growing forever and ever. Because Mm -hmm. I I see people close to me who work nine to five jobs. I've been in that world. I've been a corporate cog. I feel like the, that ideal is dangled out there, but it, it always isn't delivered upon. So we're very lucky as creatives to have that um, offered to us that there's a space to grow within perpetually. You can do this for 40 years, 50 years, you can still keep growing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's really, truly amazing, this whole entrepreneurial world, because the skills really can transfer to different genres of, genres of photography or even different businesses altogether. So it's, yeah, it is. It's really amazing. It's just doing it. And I hate to say taking that risk because, you know, there are different levels of risk-taking, calculated, stupid, you know. I mean, there's just, there's different levels. But if you're just willing to not be okay with unhappiness and and making those changes, it's um, pretty powerful. Fear is a great motivator. Oh, it sure (laughs) is. This whole thing, this whole ride started out of fear. Like my whole business started out of fear. What am I going to (laughs) do? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be selling computers at Geek Squad at Best Buy? Right, <laughs> like that's right. Where, that's how I thought I was going to end up. No, I'm yep. not discrediting that. I'm no, I know, too, I know but, what you mean. Yep, yep, yeah. yeah. Sue Sue Bryce talks a lot about that. Well, this has been amazing. I have a couple other questions to ask you though that I always ask at the end of each episode. And the first one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Oh, something I can't live without. Oh, okay. Uh, this is easy now. Um, now. It's a person, not a thing. Oh man, it's like my opportunity to plug all the awesome partnerships I have with certain brands. But <laughs> maybe we could do that afterward because I would say my Tamron lens, first of all. <laughs> oh yeah, because you're sponsored um, by Tamron. Yeah, I'm sponsored yep. by Tamron and by Magmod and Aftershoot. Uh, so shout out to those awesome companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've done a lot of work with uh, with Fundy. So those are great brands to work with. Um, but. Now, my one thing I can't work without with is an assistant. So mm-hmm. uh, the sooner you can start rolling in an assistant into your workflow, the better. So I've, I've learned now that I am a better photographer and creative when my hands are not doing any of the manual labor. Like if I can move a light stand so much faster with my mouth than I can with my hands, that sounds <laughs> disgusting, but I mean, I mean that. From I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Figurative sense. I literally had a shoot where I had, I was in a hangar. I was probably 200 feet away from my subject and I had lights, like multiple lights set up and I kept running back to like the closest light uh, to change it. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like I, so I've gotten into a much better place where I slow down and I tell my assistant or assistants to what to do with the lights. And if I am getting better at communicating, because it's kind of hard to convey angle and direction and position succinctly at first, but I'm getting better at it. So 
that as a skill in itself is learning how to communicate what your intention is because I think it better than I speak it. And so assistant. So I definitely can't, I work better with an assistant now. It's slowing me down. And the more time I spend looking at the scene and talking with like, maybe I'm talking to a creative director on the shoot, uh, the better I'm in my pocket and I create better images. So yeah, can't go home without an assistant. So it's that's like gold right there. I love that. Even when I do have an assistant, you know, this is how stupid this is. I like feel bad asking them to do so. I'm I'm th- I'm paying them, and I'm like, right. oh, I don't want them to feel like I'm like bossing them around or telling. Like this is my like people pleaser mentality that I'm trying to get rid of. Where it's like, oh my god, so stupid. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, I feel yeah. you on that. It's, it's a weird place yeah. to be in, like to be it the boss is. because yeah. Because we're used to like, oh, I, I, you're the one man show. Like you can do the lighting, show, you know, take the photos, deliver. You're the one thing that they they people rely on on the shoot. And then when you start to get into a different space where you count other people, you still it's hard to break those those tendencies. So mm-hmm. I, I totally get, feel that. Totally. All right. Number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? Man, I used to. This used to be a really crap, like a triggering thing for me to respond to because I felt like I was so committed to being a photographer like my all of my interests revolved around photography and how I spent my free time too so now I, I can safely say how I like to spend my free time is uh fitness is something I'm always trying to work on and now now um, I've got a like jogging stroller so baby girl and I can go for runs oh, without perfect. waiting for mom to be available so I'm really trying to like I, my I was talking to my friend today who's running the Brooklyn half marathon in this weekend and I'm like I want to run that next year so now now I've got this like idea of like how I can train for the next year and get into running shape awesome. and then right now oh I it's it's hard to come by. I, I love. I always have like good cinemas. So like I'm always watching movies and 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 good TV. But uh, video games. So right now I'm hooked on Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. It just came out this last week. Uh, I, I won't bore you with details, but it's my brother. I, I always love Zelda. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. You should ask him about it. But it, it's a beautifully art directed game with incredible gameplay where you really feel like you're the character and I'm like shooting arrows and like fighting dragons. It's it's a lot of fun. So that's that's where I if I can get a little bit of free time to play a video game, which is hard to come by as a dad now. But the number one thing I love to do to spend my free time now is playing with our daughter. She's sweet. She's so much fun. Awesome. All right. Number three is what is your favorite inspirational quote? I don't know if I have an inspirational quote, but I just kind of feel like a quote that kind of describes me. Uh, it's a, and the sad thing is this quote comes from like one of the worst people in history. Uh, he's like the Sackler family, the ones that's in trouble for all the like Oxycontin stuff right now. Oh, but he's like a, a big art collector. I mean, and he, bad people can have great quotes. You never know. And, and, and I like it because it describes my fiance and I. She's she's in the science world. Like she was a research assistant on the science, science track, but now she's in regulatory for her company. She works on getting like cancer curing products into other countries so that's so she's like on the science side and then i'm on the art side and the quote was something to the effect of uh art is a passion pursued with discipline and then science is a discipline pursued with passion Mm. and i don't know why i feel like that succinctly describes us so Uh it's not an inspirational quote but it's it's kind of like how i look at the world and how i uh, look at us cool yeah i like it all right number four is what would you tell people who are just starting out Oh, I feel like we just spent the last hour doing that. I know, I know. <laughs> what What about maybe if you just said it for someone who's just trying to level up their game? Yeah. Um, you know? Okay, I, I guess this is, comes from a 
you know, I've been shooting full t- full time for ten um, and shooting for the last twenty years. But uh, that's to say that nothing comes fast. Mm. Nothing in this industry comes fast. Nothing in this career pursuit comes fast. Uh, there are still skills I don't have. There's still things that I'm attaining to, like we said earlier. But um, if you're just starting out, start with a five year goal. Think about like where do I want to be in five years with this? Like how? What kind of skills do I want to have? You know, do, is there a level of income you want to make? Uh, is there an acuity of the work that you're after? And then start setting one-year goals that get you closer to that five-year goal. So I'm always five-year goal oriented. Like I, I think about like maybe it's a target of money I want to make. What do I have to do in year one to get me one fifth of the way there? So start breaking down your goals that way. And so every new year, I've got a new new objectives. Like one year in wedding photography, it was, I want to shoot better photojournalistic work and involve the camera with my couples so they feel like a participant in their memories. And so I spent a lot of time getting really close to couples, even in in times when you wouldn't expect to be, like during the ceremony. So that was like a goal of mine. And I could see that in my work. So like you could set those kind of goals or they could be more tangible and more like an actual, like uh, something that you can observe uh, in whether it's money or or a skill. So that's that's my advice definitely like slow down and make longer goals that you can achieve results in and see those results over time fantastic and where can people find you online if they're looking for you oh god you can find me on my six-year-old not updated website justinhaugen.com h-a-u-g-e-n.com <laughs> that's going to be rebranded soon i might even get a new name for my business I'm, I'm looking at it in terms of like an operation of people not just me as an entity and then uh photo warlock on Instagram, just like it sounds. And I think that's about it. That's all I care to be found on. So yeah, Photo Warlock on Instagram and justinhaugen.com. I'm on Facebook forward slash Justin Photos. Fantastic. All right. Oh, YouTube. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, YouTube. You can find... You can find me and my partner Rob Hall on our High ISO podcast. It's on the YouTube, cha- the Sharpen YouTube channel, which is his community for creatives to share photography content. And uh, you can find us on Spotify, uh, Anchor.com, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, or High ISO Podcast. Uh, we talk about business and and a lot of stuff like we talked about today. Awesome, fantastic. Well, thanks, Justin. This was fun. I'll talk to you in a year. All right. Talk to you in a <laughs> no, year. I'm Let's sure I'll see in. you before then, but <laughs> probably at Portrait Masters. Yeah, yeah. I'm speaking. Oh, year. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank That's you. That's incredible. Super happy I'm to excited. hear that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a breakout, a breakout session. Yeah. So yeah, I'm pumped. That sounds fun. I'm trying to figure out like where I want to be with that space in the coming year because um I, I just did Shutterfest and WPPI at the beginning of this year, and that was intense. Mm-hmm. Like I I didn't have enough um I felt like I was away from home too much. So I'm trying to see what's like on the fall yeah. fall slate for me to like get, get involved and be out uh, in the photo community. So I'm sure I'll see you at yeah. uh, Portrait Masters. I'll be there with Tamron usually. Awesome. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right with Tamron. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm taking my family to um, stay with Sue this week because she has her self-value workshop and I don't want to leave my, ho- my kids home again. So we're all going. <laughs> so I can relate. <laughs> I love that you can do that. So I need to figure out a way to do that myself. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Well, we will talk next time. Thanks again. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? 
I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. 